You guys, talking to you has made me feel so much better. That's good. My mental health is I will do totally fine. And then all of a sudden one week I'll just feel like I'm falling apart and everything around me is going to collapse inward. And I can't do anything other than cry and stare at a window and not eat and not sleep. And then I'll be fine. And then I'll go into a phase of every single day. I'll just have this mild level of fear constantly. But anyway, that's not what this episode's about. If you're wondering what's wrong with me because you didn't watch Monday's episode, go watch Monday's episode and you'll learn what's wrong with me and why I get angry at other people who have similar mental health conditions to me. And I only get angry at them because I was like that, okay? I used to play the oh me, oh my, poor me card. And all it did was make me worse. Gotta take initiative. Gotta take initiative. Accept the reality of how your life is. And move forward from there. There is no point in wallowing in the state you are in. Focus on moving forward and being thankful for where you've at, where you're at. Listen, this is the most life-changing thing I've ever heard. It's not the most, but it's interesting, okay? I love Avatar The Last Airbender. This is going to be part of this episode. It's adult cartoons, child cartoons, whatever. When I was watching The Legend of Korra, Katara's in it. And she's, you know, the, the main character's been injured. She's going through a lot of PTSD symptoms, really struggling, having a hard time with mental health. This is a kid's show and they painted it very well. And she's like, I don't understand why this is happening to me. Why is this going on? So she's getting healed and she's like, why is this ha- like why did this happen to me though? Why can't I get better? I don't understand. Like and the ladies, the healer lady is like, everyone goes through these things at some point in their life and you can learn from things something from them and grow and it's gonna take you somewhere else if you allow it to, basically. And the the girl that was dealing with the mental health stuff was like, What's this gonna do for me? The healer lady looked at her and she goes, I can't give you that answer, but won't it be amazing to find out? And I started crying. Because, like, that's so true. It's when we're in the middle of something that sucks and is, like, we don't feel good in our brains or our bodies. It's really, really hard, especially in your brain. It's really, really hard to think that, to to not see the light at the end of the tunnel or think you're going to get out of it. And to forget that there's something forward ahead of you. And I know that everyone says this all the time. It's like, it gets better, it gets better, it gets better. That's so true. Like, it's it's the whole idea of shifting your mindset is the key to getting better if it's I'm, I'm so sick of it <laughs> I'm so sick of reiterating this but when I'm talking I want you to know if you have an ongoing mental health condition that is chronic you have gotten therapy for years you have gotten medications you have gotten spiritual treatment you've done all this stuff and it doesn't seem to get better I understand there are some people like that, and no matter what, they probably never will get better. And if that is you, I'm so sorry, and I hope that you do find something that gives you relief. But the people that I'm talking about are the people that do not have a chronic mental health condition. They have a mental health disorder ongoing to some degree, but it is not chronic, okay? It's something that that is manageable through either a combination of meds and therapy and self-management or just therapy and self-management on their own. Things that we all experience, not something that is like what you what you would imagine is in an inpatient psychiatric hospital, okay? Things that everyone experiences, okay? That's what I'm talking about. That's so true, which this woman said in the show. 
it's going to be so amazing when you when you work towards finding what this is what this can teach you because I'm, I'm not saying these things are happening for a reason. I really genuinely do not believe in any form of the life is already written out for you and everything that's going to happen to you is happening to you for a specific like life lesson purpose that's like been planned out by a higher power. Don't believe in that in any concept. That would basically mean that we're living in a simulation. If you believe that, whatever. I don't really care. I believe when I say that there's always something to be learned from it and where what it's going to teach you is when you make the decision to find that. Sometimes you go through things and you never learn what it teaches you until way down the road when you decide to look back and figure out what it did teach you. Or maybe there's some situations you're never going to learn what it taught you because you never are like looking for that or trying to find the answers because you just think things are happening to you and they're not happening with you or for you. You have an active role to play in your life. Things don't just happen to you. You can make them happen for you. You can make them happen against you. You can make them happen with you. It's a choice that you have to make, okay? It's really hard. Like with grief, it's really, really hard to be like, why is this? Per- why did that person die? Like, why is this happening to me? Why am I sick? Why is all this stuff going on? And we aren't ever going to know the answer to legitimately why that's occurring. But we can make the active choice to find lessons in the experiences that we're having. And while that might not give us the exact answer we're wanting, it can bring us some really cool experiences of finding what it can teach us and bring to value in our life. Okay? Just remember that moving forward, okay? So anyway, on the concept of these things that I'm talking about with like choosing to see things, that's the whole idea of changing your mindset around life and coping skills. So I want to talk about some of the tools that I've utilized and other tools that are out there that have been shown to be helpful for either coping or for reframing your mindset and just general like self-care work. So let's talk about coping skills first because I love coping skills. Coping skills, coping skills are sick. <laughs> if you think I don't use coping skills, you do. Everyone uses coping skills and here's the thing that I think is like misconstrued about coping skills are that people think coping skills are a good thing. That's not true. Coping skills, the word in and of itself is a neutral thing. What you use and what you use it for is what makes it either a positive, negative, or neutral coping skill. So I let's look up the definition of a coping skill. Although I mean I can explain it to you, but like let's find like the legitimate definition. Coping skills. So coping refers to the conscious strategies used to reduce unpleasant emotions. Okay, so you can either have positive coping skills or negative coping skills or neutral coping skills. Because sometimes like you do coping skills and they're not really benefiting you, but they're also not really... like When I say positive, I'm referring to ones that help you grow. When I say neutral, I'm saying ones that might make you feel better in the moment, but they're not really doing anything to like change things. And when I say negative ones, they're hindering you from getting better. So let's talk about some negative ones first. So here's the thing. A lot of positive ones can be negative ones at the same time. Like a good example is Gen Z. It's not like they struggle with socializing, okay? So their coping skill to cope with their anxiety of socializing would be to put headphones on and listen to music while they're socializing. Well, listening to music is like a very common positive coping skill 
it can also be negative. So like for someone that is depressed and maybe like listening to positive upbeat music, like music has been shown scientifically to increase our positive emotions if we're listening to like certain types of beats that are upbeat. People love music. It's like this innate thing in human beings and that can be positive for them. But for these Gen Z kids that are listening to their music while they're socializing, it's not a a positive coping skill. It's a negative coping skill because it's hindering them from growing and becoming better with overcoming their struggle. Whereas people that are using it to overcome depression when they're like in a mood trying to like bring their mood up, it's a positive one. Or like while they're journaling, they might listen to music to like get them in the mood to journal. Those are positive things because it's helping them further getting better versus making them stay complacent where they are. Like people that listen to music while they're socializing to like zone out and ignore everything going on. Here are some negative coping skills that no matter what, they are negative and I don't care what you tell me. Substances, okay? Substances are a very negative coping skill. Drinking alcohol to cope with your feelings of anxiety is a negative coping skill. If you're scared of socializing, you're like, oh, I just have a few drinks to loosen me up. You're not actually working on overcoming whatever barrier it is that makes you nervous about socializing. You're just using a substance to like jump over that like hurdle. Um, It's the same thing with any kind of drugs, okay? I'm, I'm talking marijuana. That's a big controversial one. I could do a whole episode about marijuana. I don't, I'm not against marijuana. In and of itself, I'm against marijuana when people use it as a coping skill for anxiety, depression, sleep problems. Because what you're doing is you're causing your brain to go, I need that to feel better. You start to associate it with feeling better and you never learn to feel better without it. So then you become dependent on it and you can't be okay without it in those situations. Like people can't go to bed sometimes without smoking because they continuously use weed every single time to go to bed and then they never can stop using it to go to bed because they'd become too dependent on it. Same thing with anxiety and depression. If that's what you associate with feeling better, you're never going to stop doing that thing to feel better. You should never become fully dependent on a coping skill to make you feel better because eventually it turns into addiction. Let's talk about some other coping skills. Because I don't want to get people too pissed off at me. Because I understand that's a very controversial topic. I'm not against substances, okay? I will do full episodes about alcohol and marijuana each on their own. Because I'm very passionate about those topics. They have great benefits in certain circumstances. They also have some horrible benef- horrible side effects in other circumstances. For a different episode. I'm just saying if you use them to cope with your negative feelings consistently, that's unhealthy. Just like anything else. Just like exercise. Exercise is one of those things that can be a positive or a negative coping skill. If you struggle with depression and you start to go on walks and try to increase the chemicals in your brain, that's going to be a positive coping skill. But if you exercise nonstop as a way to feel better and you're burning too many calories and making your body unhealthy, that's negative because you're using it in excess to avoid the other problems. So let's just talk about my favorite coping skills because I could go on and on and on about when one is positive and when it's negative and how to know the difference. At the end of the day, it's if you're using it to avoid your feelings over and over and over again as and you start to need it to feel better, then it's a problem. If you're using it 
on occasion to make yourself feel better, but you can also figure out how to feel better without that, then it's a positive coping skill. Okay, so like my favorite coping skills. My favorite coping skill for most of my life has been TV and games, video games. Um, primarily TV. When I first started to have intense anxiety as an adult when I was in college, I would just binge watch my favorite cartoons. So like I love to watch like Family Guy, American Dad, those kinds of shows, as well as just like any lighthearted sitcom. I will find one, binge watch it, and do it over and over and over and over and over again. And that was a negative coping skill for me, for me because I was ignoring my pushing down my feelings by just zoning out and hyper focusing on something. I've come to a place now where if that's happening, I don't just go to the TV and turn the TV on to feel better. I like work through my emotions and practice being mindful about them. And then I'll use the TV. I don't use it every time anymore. I just use it on occasion. So I had to create some boundaries with it. And I know I'll notice that I'm starting to use it in a way that's unhealthy. Like a couple weeks ago, I started to become like addicted to watching TV again and like just kept wanting to go watch it. And I was like, oh, I must be starting to struggle with something in my brain. And I told myself I wasn't allowed to watch TV anymore because I was using it in an inappropriate way. Um, probably one of the most effective coping skills. So TV for me is like the most effective coping skill when it's really intense emotions that I just can't deal with. So like when I have my meltdowns, TV is like a lifesaver for me because it kind of like brings me back to life when I'm zoned out and feeling numb. If you turn my favorite shows on, I'm obviously going to start to like giggle and feel automatically happy. So that's good for me in those situations. On a daily basis to binge watch those shows, not great. So I only use them when I'm in dire need usually. Um, but the one that's like been most consistently helpful has been exercise. And I notice when I stop exercising consistently, my mental health gets significantly worse. I actually stopped exercising consistently for the entire last year, which probably contributed to why I kept having these full-on meltdowns. Um, when I was in college is when I first started to have all these symptoms that were so intense. That's also when I started to exercise. And I like lifting weights because I can zone out and it doesn't make me feel like I'm dying, but I'm still getting just as good of exercise. And going on walks with moose is also like my favorite thing ever. It makes me feel so much better. There's a ton of science behind why exercise is beneficial. It's just finding those healthy boundaries between... Like, I think it's also hard to... Like, for women in specific, exercise can be kind of hard because there's also this whole pressure of it being for making your body look different, and that's not going to help your mental health. So trying to, like, learn boundaries with that also can be important. Aside from exercise... My primary, most positive, most helpful, if I had to pick only one coping skill to ever have and utilize for the rest of my life, it would be this one. Meditation and mindfulness. It's going to sound like I'm an ad for this. I'm not. I wish. I wish. I, I literally have it on my vision board that someday I'm going to work for this company. Headspace. Oh my gosh, the whole concept of meditation and mindfulness and in and of itself is just like chef's kiss. Headspace? Click on the links in the bio of this. The way that they explain things 
in their cute little pictures is just so easy to understand. It's so well thought out. It's just my favorite form of mental health care. It just makes so much sense and it has been life-changing for me. I sit down and I started doing meditation and mindfulness when I was having my meltdowns. I would sit outside and I would just listen to the meditation things and try to focus on them and I would listen to them before I went to bed to like put me to sleep. But what happened was I started to carry, they talk so much about how meditation allows you to come to terms with the fact that your thoughts aren't necessarily your reality and you don't need to give them power. You also don't need to be angry at them and try to stop them. Meditation is not about stopping your thoughts. It's about learning to accept them coming in and out of your mind and not focusing on them, like not being like, why did I just think that? It's about becoming more aware of your body and yourself and your mind, your soul and like the connection between everything and just becoming more present in everyday life because when you're an anxious person, most people with anxiety tend to hyper-focus on the future and being fearful of things that are coming to them and or even just like hyper-focusing on the past and like having feelings of guilt and regret and meditation is helping you to stay grounded in the present and the practices associated with it are just like I I've never felt more peace in my life than by practicing these things and along with those I've been practicing affirmations based in scriptures which meditation and mindfulness and religion religious practices of like prayer are like basically the same thing it's just repeating different types of phrases and you're using the idea of god along with like the idea of just like the universe whatever it's similar things but um if you're growing up in a christian home that's like meditation is satanic it's not it's science (laughs) It's science. It's just training your brain to be more aware of your thoughts and how they work. And I, I like there's a 30 day free pass in my bio. Go click on it. Try Headspace for 30 days. Do it every single day. You could choose if you do it for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. They, they even like the little wake up videos they do. It's just so good it's the type of therapy I want to provide so it's like a, that's like a big part of what I want to help my clients do someday and I'm not a professional at it yet but this is me making it happen okay I'm going to become a meditation coach a meditation and mindfulness coach I don't like I don't not like I don't think that I want to do it in terms of DBT which is dialectical behavioral therapy which is a type of therapy that includes mindfulness I don't want to do it like that I want to do it like Headspace does it with legit meditation and legit mindfulness practices, not the DBT version of it. And for me, I'm going to become a meditation coach and someday I'm going to work with Headspace, okay? I'm speaking it into existence right now. I'm manifesting that crap. That's going to happen for me. And that's that's how strongly I feel about it is that that's what I want to provide to people. It just is such a good guideline for people if you're not having a therapist to help coach you through it headspace is a great way to do it on your own and I highly encourage you to do it even if you are not struggling with like a severe mental health disorder just go try it okay it's great (laughs) 
I honestly will probably do an entire episode on meditation and mindfulness because I just can't talk about all of it right now. And that's not what this is about. It is, but you know, whatever. Shut up. Anyway, lists are a big coping skill for me because as someone that struggles with organization and feeling overwhelmed by tasks, I think that making lists is something that helps my brain feel more organized and be able to visualize things. Actually, I think you might be able to see one up there. I have a list over there. It's on my whiteboard, on my calendar. The problem with lists is that if you're someone that is anxious in any amount, you're probably got a lot of things that you think you have to do. So when you're writing lists, I highly encourage you to tell yourself you're only allowed to put five to ten things on a to-do list on a daily basis. Ten's even like excessive. Because otherwise you'll write it all down and then you'll be pissed off at yourself because you didn't get it done. You'll have feelings of guilt and all that kind of horrible stuff. So just give yourself, you know, X number for each day. So just create guidelines when you're making lists because that way they can be more beneficial for your life. I also think that goal setting is super helpful for me. That's a great coping skill because it helps you keep perspective. I don't really think it's really even a coping skill necessarily, but it's something that you can use to like plan out your coping skills. Like, I'm going to look. Let's see. Like, here we go. These are like my goals that I have for this next three months. I didn't follow the five, five days, five, five of them, whatever. Like, there's no way I'm going to do all of these. I've already failed many of them. And then I start to feel bad about it. So you really just got to set boundaries with yourself of recognizing you're a human being. And that's a whole other episode again of habits. It's more effective for you to focus on one at a time to build than it is to do multiple. My favorite coping skills are meditation and mindfulness, going on walks with moose, and like being outside in general, especially when I get to meditate outside. <laughs> Watching TV shows that are lighthearted only. Cleaning and like organizing things, that makes me feel really good. Sometimes it doesn't. It depends on the point of my life that I'm in, but like that's a really good coping skill for me. Making lists so that I feel prepared. But I also have to be careful with that because I can very easily become a negative coping skill when it's too hyper-focused on the future. So, like, those are two that I'm like, it depends on the, the time with, like, cleaning or organizing, making lists, and cooking. Those are all three. The last three are things that are, like, they're positive sometimes, but they're also negative. So, I have to be more careful with them. So, I tend not to rely on those ones to be my main ones. I try to rely the most on, like, meditation, mindfulness, prayer exercise, walking most, and watching TV. Those are my four main ones that are my go-to, no matter what. I know those are going to work. Those are going to be sustainable. They're going to be positive all the time, no matter what. There's never a time where that's likely ever going to be negative, and if it is, it's like a very rare occurrence. The other ones can be beneficial for me, but I know that I need to be careful with them because when I've used them in the past, they've become negative pretty quickly, Um, but you know, other times they're good. So for yourself, it's important that you find ones that just pick, don't try to like do a zillion of them and use all a zillion of them at the same time. Like I just said, like creating habits, the coping skills are habits essentially that you set in place and the more that you practice them, the more they become routine to you. I genuinely, genuinely think the most effective one is mindfulness and meditation because it teaches you a whole new mindset and aside from that, it doesn't matter. 
all the other ones are just good add-ons. I'd say that exercise and like moving your body and meditation and mindfulness are probably the most scientifically effective for your brain. But the other ones are all just great add-ons to help you feel better and function better. You know, I can sit here and I can tell you like, you know, exercise, eat healthy, walk 10,000 steps a day, practice prayer, whatever, all these things. But the reality is that if you're anything like me, that can make your mental health worse. I don't know about you guys, but it is so distressing to me when I'm like, okay, well, there's all these expectations for me to follow of things that I'm supposed to be doing to have my brain be good and my body be healthy. And I don't know which ones, which ones are real anymore. Like, how in the hell am I supposed to exercise every day, walk every day, eat clean, organic, non-GMO, expensive, pure foods all the time, not burn candles in my house because they're bad for me, not be, you know, self-conscious about my body, but also, like, really work on my body so I look a certain way. All these stupid things like be productive all the time and like journal and be that girl and blah, 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 blah. It's okay that you don't journal every night. It's okay if your coping skill isn't journaling. I know journaling is like this really like sexy thing right now. I don't actually mean sexy, but it's like this glorified thing right now. It's like journaling and like yoga in the mornings before you move on with your day and, you know, cold showers and drinking green juice and whatever. And though I'm not dogging on those at all. Those are if that's what makes you feel good and it's not this like thing that's turned into a negative thing of I have to do this to look a certain way or be a certain person and that's genuinely your coping skill do it that's fine but if you're like me you'll look at that stuff and you'll go how why am I not doing it why am I failing to do this I set up this expectation I'm not gonna go on my phone and I am gonna get up two hours earlier every single morning I'm gonna do this, this, and this, and this, because these are all going to be my coping skills to become a better version of myself every single day. And I can't, I fail to attain those things because they're not for me. They're for someone else and they don't work for me. And there's just also too many to even relatively make them all work for you. And people are like kind of demonizing things that don't need to be demonized. Like watching TV as a coping skill is completely acceptable. You are allowed to lay on the couch and watch your favorite TV show for an hour every single night if that's what your coping skill is. You don't have to use that time to do yoga. You don't have to use that time to make your green juices for the rest of the week. You don't have to use that time to practice letting negative energy out of your body by screaming. Like It's whatever you choose that makes you feel good. And I'm going to be honest with you, the science shows whatever brings you the most fulfillment is what's going to make you the healthiest. Isn't that crazy? There's these whole research things that show that like here it's for this is like exercise. Here's a good example. So like they say people that are like in the gym every single day doing weight training and cardio hit type stuff and are super lean muscular people and then you take in someone else who has spent their entire life not being in the gym and doing all that kind of stuff. They instead do light exercise so like they go on walks every single day just like not super fast walks just like normal everyday walking and they garden because they like to garden that's what makes them happy and cleaning their house those are their movement activities so you take those two people and you compare their longevity of their life and their 
you know, health and all that kind of stuff. And it's usually relatively the same because whatever is making you happy is more likely to be a predictor of your health than the actual like activity. I mean, if you're like, you know, exercise only makes me feel bad and walking makes me like any kind of physical activity makes me feel bad and eating healthy makes me feel bad. So I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to eat whatever I want, whenever I want, no fruits, no vegetables ever. I don't drink water. I only drink Mountain Dew and all this stuff. You know, even if that makes you happy, it's not going to be good for your body. There is a limit to like these things, but like here's what stresses me out about it all the time is I'm like, all right, so I'm supposed, if here's two people that say their lifestyles are healthy. This person says that their lifestyle and their coping skills for living as a human being that has horrible things going on and stressful things going on all the time, their coping skills are to lift super heavy weights. Like, I'm saying, like, bodybuilding type weightlifting. They're also taking creatinine or whatever, creatine. Um, they're taking, they're drinking protein shakes, at, shakes every single day. They're taking pre-workout, like, all these supplements. And they're eating, like, tons of protein from meat sources every day. And they're saying they're really healthy. But then there's also, there's other people that are like, no, if you eat any processed things, that's bad for you, that's unhealthy, your body's going to have cancer, you're going to have all this stuff around with you. If you cook your food, it's going to be bad for you. You shouldn't cook your food. You should only eat organic stuff. You shouldn't be lifting heavy because it's bad for your joints. You should only be doing like light exercise with light weights and like functional fitness activities. And if you do other stuff, it's bad for you. And then you're me and you sit here and you go, okay, I'm making my dinner tonight and it's a bunch of vegetables but the vegetables are cooked and I put seasoning on them so that makes them unhealthy by that person's standards but these other people are saying I need protein if I want to be healthy so I'm taking protein supplements but then those people are like oh but the protein supplements are are uh they're they're processed so like that's bad you're gonna get cancer and die and I'm like what's right <laughs> the, the reality is I'm telling you there's no right answer it's whatever you have decided in your mind is right and makes you feel good in those terms, I'm not saying this for everything, but in terms of like coping skills for like health and fitness and generalized well-being, if you've decided that it makes you feel good and science doesn't say it's like deadly, it's probably going to make you feel better. You know, like if it's substance abuse, if it's certain things, it's obviously not going to make you better. Like you can't be like math makes me happy. So I'm going to make math is my coping skill and it makes me happy. So I'm going to keep doing it. It's going to be healthy. There are some things that are, like, finite. I don't think that's the right word, but who cares? What I'm trying to tell you is coping skills are individual to each person, and we can share our coping skills with each other to encourage people to find new ones to see what works for them if they're trying to explore to see what it is. But it, it, at the end of the day, it's ultimately up to you, and I want you to stop looking at social media. I want you to stop looking at social media and seeing all these girls and guys saying all these different things about what makes a healthy life and what health looks like and realize that it, you have to define what health looks like for you. You are able to go online and read all the information that you want to and there's going to be a zillion different research articles all contradicting each other about what is healthy and what is right and blah, 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 blah. Take the ones that are finite and say like, these things are good, these things are bad and realize that, that you know that's probably true. Don't listen to them. Don't look at that girl on Instagram and go, that girl that's a fitness builder and that girl that's organic earth queen, 
they both must be right. They both must be healthy. Yeah, they are because that's what works for them. Find what works for you and don't pay attention to everyone else's journeys of all that kind of stuff until you know that you're confident that you will not falter in your ways to come to be like other people. You find your own journey. You find your own path and realize what is good for you is good for you. And probably could be beneficial for everyone else. But there's groups of people all over the world with different kinds of coping skills and different kinds of things. And they're doing just fine. There's not one right answer. There is not one right answer for most things. Sure, for some things there are. But for most things, there's not. Listen, here's your homework, okay? Here's your homework. I want you to get a, I want you to get a pen and paper or your phone, whatever. And I want you to write down what your current coping skills are. Like really sit and think, what do I do to make myself feel better? Or what do I do to live my life every single day to feel whole? Write them all down. Think about a variety of different things and be like, these are my coping skills. My old coping skills used to be calling people on the phone to hear validation from them. I'd call everyone and their brother. Drinking alcohol, I would drink by myself. Vaping was one of my coping skills. Um, going on walks has always been one of my coping skills. Watching TV has always been one of my coping skills. Write them all down. And then go through the list of the ones that you've written down. And I want you to put a positive sign, like a plus sign. Or a negative sign. And if it's like a neutral one, don't don't write anything next to it. Your list should probably be real, like pretty long. It doesn't need to be like super long. But like you should have a good number of things on there. Like there's no way. If you have two things on there, you're not thinking hard enough. Everyone has coping skills that they utilize every single day. Think really hard about what they are. Is there a certain podcast that you listen to every single day? Is there a certain like thing that you do every day before sex is or before sex is there a thing that, oh my gosh like sex is a coping skill sometimes people when they feel like they have anxiety about their relationship go to utilizing sex as a way to feel more secure and that's a coping skill is it positive or negative I don't know I can't tell you the answer but go through and figure out which ones are positive which ones are negative and which ones are neutral and then Go through the list, look at the ones that are positive, and say, all right, these are the ones that I think are my favorite. Add the ones that are positive if you have a lot of positive ones. And add the ones that are negative. Go through them and see if you can think of what what they're helping you with. If there's like a specific thing that they're maybe treating in your life, like the sex thing. If you're like, I tend to have sex, like sex is a coping, sex is a coping skill for me. I do it because it makes me feel like my partner loves me. Okay, that's probably not a coping skill you want to continue. Or, like, what's another one? Like, drinking. Are you doing it because it's... So, like, drinking can be a coping skill or it can't be. So, when you're... To tell the difference would be to go, am I drinking because I feel like without it I can't function properly with my friends? Like, I won't be as fun. I won't be as cool. Then it's probably a negative coping skill and you might need to take a step back away from it for a while. If it's just something you're doing because you're like, I just I just like to have a drink when I'm out with my friends. It's, I feel like I could go out and not have one. Then just leave it as neutral and don't, don't do anything with it. Then I want you to take the positive ones. And if you don't have very many on there, just take the one or two that you have and 
make a new list. Let's say coping skills I'm going to practice. And write the ones that you want to carry over to your new list. And then I want you to pick out if you only have like two coping skills you think are healthy or one coping skill you think are healthy, pick out another new pick out a new coping skill that you want to practice and write down a plan of how you're going to implement that into your life. So Every, so you all, we always use SMART goals as our way to create goals for ourselves. So you should be saying SMART. So here's SMART. SMART is S is specific, M is measurable, A is attainable, R is relevant, and T is time-based. So pick one coping skill to hyper-focus on for the next three months is usually a good time frame to focus on. If you don't want to do it for that long, 30 days minimum, Okay. So, specific. Don't just be like, I'm going to practice meditation and mindfulness. That's not specific enough. You have to be like, I'm going to use the Headspace app every once a day. That's very specific. I'm, or I'm going to use the Headspace app meditation program of the basics of meditation or the anxiety one for every day. Measurable. You're going to say, I'm going to use the analytics section of Headspace to check in with like where I'm feeling mentally and rating my anxiety and mental health on a monthly basis so that I can see how much better I'm getting. A would be attainable. You can't say, I'm going to meditate for 30 minutes a day every single day. That's unlikely to actually happen. Pick something that is within reach and reasonable. R is relevant. If you are struggling with body image, you shouldn't be like, I'm going to work out for 45 minutes a day and the way I'm going to know that it's successful is if I lose 30 pounds. Technically, like that's going to just make you have probably more body image issues and you're not, you're trying to fix your body still when the goal is to learn to accept your body. So if it's relevant, if you're like someone that has body image issues, Instead, you would be like, I'm going to say three affirmations every single day about how I accept my body as it is right now without it changing. And then time-based, you're going to set a time limit for yourself. So I'm going to use the meditation example again, and we're just going to go through the whole thing. But time-based would be like, I'm going to do it for this amount of minutes every single day for this long. So if we're doing it, we're going to do all the SMART goals for meditation and mindfulness. So SMART, the specific part of it would be, I'm going to use a headspace program of basics of meditation and the time frame I'm going to do it in is I'm going to spend 10 minutes every single day doing it for three months straight. I'm going to be able to know if it's successful or not because um, I'm going to utilize their assessments for anxiety and stress that are in the app and do them on a monthly basis to check in with how I'm feeling and how I'm changing. They're attainable because 10 minutes is a very reasonable amount of time for me to do on a daily basis, or even like, I wouldn't even say a daily basis. Honestly, I'd say I'm going to do it for three days a week. And then um, maybe like part of the measurable or maybe part of the specific part and time-based part would be, I'm going to increase the amount of days so that by the end of the three months, it's going to be up there. Honestly, just don't, don't overextend it. Pick the like minimal amount. And if you're loving it, you'll end up doing more. And if you do more, who cares? But if you, Here's the thing. If you choose to like set a limit for yourself and be like, I'm going to do it only one day a week and then you end up doing it three, you're going to be excited. But if you say it right from the get go, I'm going to do it every day of the week and then you don't because it's hard to do because you're a busy gal. 
then you're just going to be upset with yourself. So just pick the smaller goal. And then if you exceed that on a weekly basis, it'll be good. But if you can't get to it, you're still going to be like, oh, it's all right. My goal was just one. And, and obviously, like, it'd be relevant for someone that's suffering from anxiety because it's learning you to be more um, aware of your thoughts and your feelings and how to manage them appropriately. I hope that was helpful. I hope that was helpful. I know it's a little bit all over the place, but like I said, I wanted to film in my element of decaffeination and not mentally thriving because that's like the reality of life and it's the topic of this week so I hope that it helped you feel more relatable I guess um sorry if I offended you I'm not trying to I understand everyone's experience is slightly different and that's reality and if I was your therapist I would not go about it in this way but I'm not your therapist I'm just a gal who likes mental health and provides therapy for people this is a platform I utilize where I'm allowed to speak my opinions and my thoughts on things based off of research and science. And my experience is that while there are many people with chronic mental health conditions, majority of people don't experience that in their lifetime. They just experience it at severity at some point and that our mindset and our dedication to getting better plays a massive role in how quickly and how much we do get better. I've seen it, okay? Seen people inpatient at the hospital that don't have chronic mental health disorders, they're just going through a hard time, and the ones that have the mindsets of wanting to get better and putting in the work, and they go to all the groups, and they do all these things, and they're showing signs of motivation, they get better faster and don't come back as often as the people that are like, really like oh me oh my about it it's just it's just what happens there's science on it I'll put the links we'll look at the links I'm not trying to be offensive okay I very clearly said that I know the other side of it too okay all right do your homework dm me if you want like more specific help with creating new coping skills or like setting your goals for yourself along with this thing and I encourage you once you write them down like do it in a way that's like messy first just to get it all out and then write it down nicely and put it up somewhere you're gonna see it every day put it on your phone as your background put it out in your mirror like whatever send it to me I'm probably gonna put like a thing up and be like hey like tell me what goals you came up with and I just want to see what people come up with maybe I'll put mine up you know I don't know all right thank you so much for watching I Hope that you enjoyed watching me live the haphazardly part of my life since the other one seemed to have been more of the haphazardly side of me. This is the very haphazardous side of me. And that's the whole point. We're living it half and half, baby. Half put together, half haphazardly. You know, we got it. All right? I hope you enjoyed. I hope you'll come back. I hope I didn't scare you away. I hope I encouraged you. I hope I helped you see, feel seen, feel heard. I hope I pushed you a little bit if you're in like a rut and challenged you. That's what you need. That's what I need. I like people that are direct with me. That's what makes me get the most going. Please like and subscribe if you like this and you want to see more content. Do you guys want to see vlogs from me? Me doing like daily, not daily. <laughs> But me doing, like, vlogs of me, like, organizing my house and, like, running errands and do cooking dinner and cleaning and decorating and all that stuff. Would you like that? 
Let me know if you'd like that. All right. Please like and subscribe. Rate and review my podcast and send this to someone who needs to set some new goals in their life, who needs to reframe their mind, who needs to work on some stuff. And I know you know some people that do. I know that you do. Can you please send it to them? Thanks, mommy. All right. Love you. Bye.